Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello, and welcome to the Didi and Lital Show. Hello, Didi. How is it going? Things are awesome as usual. Happy St. Patty's. Well, we already celebrated it a yeah, week ago. We, 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 yeah. we, listen, it's St. Patty's. In Chicago, they celebrated for like a week. They paint the river green and everybody gets Well, people pissed. get so drunk that probably they're hungover for at least two weeks. Exactly. For sure. Also, now we're in Boston, so it's going to be big now that COVID is over and finally everything is back. Yes. yes. Also, we have an awesome guest, Ryan. Uh, Welcome, Ryan, to the show. Thank you for being with us. Hi, thank you for having me, Didi, and we're definitely happy to hang out with you guys and have some fun conversations. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, how before, do you know Ryan? Before we do the intro, okay. uh, I want to apologize to Ryan because we were late to bringing him in because we're doing this back-to-back yes. uh, to everybody. It's typical to be late for us. Uh, that's the story I wanted to share, at least a little bit of the being late. This yes, Yesterday morning, I was supposed to be in the Israeli consulate to sign a whole bunch of papers, and I left ahead of time. There was an accident on 95, a disaster, and everything was backhauled. And then I go to my favorite parking spot, and it's there's a crane standing there in the entry to the parking lot. And I'm stressed and stressed and stressed. Oh, you're stressed because you have an appointment exactly. in the consulate, and exactly. you're like, and then I'm I tell, late. And then I tell myself, you know what? I'm not late to the German consulate. I'm not late to the Swiss consulate. I'm late to the Israeli consulate. So I stop in the Starbucks, I pick up a coffee, <laughs> I, 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 I slow my pace, I ring the doorbell, nobody answers. I ring the doorbell a bit more, still nobody answers. Five minutes later or ten minutes later, sh- somebody shows up, basically la- even more late than me. <laughs> saying, and I discover that I'm the first person, so uh, I need to apologize. And that's to the her. security officer of the place. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Opening the place up. So this is kind of... Uh, need to remind ourselves occasionally that even though we've been in the U.S. for 10 years, we're still Middle Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> so culture is culture, culture and you culture. cannot take it out. So I'll go back to asking, how do you know each other? So uh, we, Hyper and Ort, share an investor. 406, sh- shout out to Greg, awesome guy, okay. helps us do better. And Seth and I, the I think he's the head of sales. Yeah, CRO. Seth is our CRO. Yes. Seth, I think Seth as well. He's the, he, me, Jeff are all RSA alumni. Yes. And Jeff said, hey, you have to reach out to Seth. Seth is doing amazing stuff. Get him to do stuff with you because he has a very creative mind. I think the the two of you together can do cool stuff. So shout out to Jeff, shout out to Seth. And Seth brought us together and said, let's, brainstorm together how we can have a shared go-to-market because I'll let Ryan introduce Hyper and what Hyper does. And I think the ITDR space needs the R, the remediation. And I'm more and more thinking that solutions like Hyper are the right way to do the R in a good creative way. But Ryan, I'll let, I don't want to steal your thunder. I want to let you introduce a little bit of what, what does Hyper does and who you are. And you can give a history lesson of how, how you got here as well. I appreciate that. And you know, that's, you almost took over the whole introduction. I almost don't have to even do any speaking whatsoever. So that's always a great thing. No, but hyper is on a mission, obviously to fix the way the world logs in, which is 
foundation built on taking everybody passwordless. Uh, and it's gone through quite a few iterations and evolutions. We are very much FIDO Alliance advocates. We're on the board. And our approach is based off of FIDO as a standard because industry adoption for this type of technology requires it to be done through standards for interoperability reasons. And Ryan, through this mission, one second. Oh, for those that are not in this world of passwords, uh, what does FIDO mean? <laughs> Sorry for FIDO interrupting. Is, no, no, tell you definitely interrupt <laughs> and, and stop because if I go on my rant, it may not stop. Fast Identity Online is an alliance that, that was built through a lot of major corporations and, and industry leaders to find a way to solve multiple different challenges, one being around authentication. And, and they were the ones who first came up with FIDO U2F. This was a, a way to do a universal second factor. Mm -hmm. And then it, there was also another specification, which was a FIDO UAF. And this is another way to do a authentication, but using cryptography and not relying on shared secrets like passwords that we've all been abused through all of our career and our daily lives looking to solve those to solve those specific password shared secret challenges. That's what the, has been the mission of the FIDO Alliance. And then we've gotten to the most current evolution where I think is a more common and maybe industry terms right now. It hasn't made it fully out to all the consumers 100% but is pass keys and pass keys are what I would think is a little bit more marketed because Apple launched that back in, I think it was September last year. And because of Apple's marketing engine, pass keys is made out into like the public arena versus it just being an internal IAM industry term. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll start seeing that kind of progress more and more now that Google has support for pass keys through their Google password manager. And then Microsoft is also a part of this. So the FIDO Alliance is actually built with Apple, Microsoft, Google. They're all major contributors to uh, the specifications and the standards, which that's how we make a move across the whole industry is we do it through standards. I, I like to equate it a little bit to for some of us older folks that have been around for a while, there was a time where we didn't have single sign on. We used to have to interact with every application one by one, but then we got this new technology it was called saml and now you can go to one idp and only have to log in there one time and then you had nice easy access to all the systems well that only got adopted because a common standard adopted by everybody so got it through five so through fido and all the work we've been doing there as an alliance and then obviously as us as hyper as a vendor where we're contributing to the, the specification as well and making it that the cornerstone and the mission to to bring passwordless to enterprises and consumers. This is this is how we see the future. And there's a lot of things in which a lot of value that can be gained. But a lot of times I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference because I listen to you guys is good yes. enough podcast, please, please do. You know, where, where we, we do live in a world and in industry that good enough is something that most businesses will accept, right? And some of it's even actually encouraged, because I can give you a counter argument that a lot of compliance is good enough. It's trying to catch everything across the board, right? And in a most general terms, and it won't catch the edge cases, it won't catch specific security components as well. But if I can meet my compliance, I can get insured, I can get coverage, I can be checked off the list as I'm in compliance. Yeah. On the good enough part, this is an interesting part because one of our conversations with a lot of our customers is they're they're using stuff so one of the things that uh, you and i were talking about a long time ago is what is called break the suite because mm -hmm. a lot of people provide services that 
look like what the, you provide. And one of the hardest problems to do is show that you think you're in a good enough state, but you're not. I, I like to give an example of how I did a good enough example, but most people can't. So last test I had to deal with in medical school, I just needed to get a 67. And I think you mentioned it in the good enough yes, episode. Yes, I, heard your, I heard your 67 test score. Then. <laughs> exactly. The you're level, repeating the level yourself. of effort you're going for. Exactly. <laughs> just, and that's, and that, but most cases, people don't know that that's what they need. They, 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 they think that they need that. But a good example for this is I'm not picking on Microsoft because they're friends and family. And I do want to meet Anne and Darcy and not get yelled at. But in some cases, there's places where people want to have, they need to have a policy that is in place that is able to capture more. There's a reason why Hyper and Duo and Okta exist in the world where companies have invested a lot in Microsoft. But people don't get the visibility to understand, oh, I needed it to do A because I'm deploying to a specific population. I'm deploying to a specific use case. Like, how do you deal with, like, we, de we, we dealt with our daughter in school. D do you make teachers deal with more sophisticated technology? Maybe not. Th these, are, these are the places where good enough starts breaking unless you start having the right conversations and the right questions. The, I think if I can just comment on the topic of good enough, good enough you don't know if things are good enough or not good enough until they break that's the thing until you have a breach until you have an incident until so it, it's a or perception. you measure ahead of time or it, you measure ahead of time have a conversation an honest conversation with yourself what what is that level but but what i don't think anyone wants to have a true <laughs> conversation with himself like it's not a good place to be like really asking yourself Am I doing the, that uh, the so, bare yeah. minimum to, to prevent myself from being in trouble? Like nobody wants to think about the bad stuff. Yeah. Well, as we're having this conversation, it's making me draw on the movie Office Space, where it's like thirty, <laughs> 30 pieces of flair. Like, are, do you want to just do the bare minimum kind of conversation? And and some don't even know that you know, maybe compliance or some regulations are just bare minimums. Because mm -hmm. the compliance and the regulations were actually written years ago. Yep. But how, yes. how, how can they apply to today? There's going to be gaps because like what we're dealing with in, in industry is rapid evolution of services that can be built to thwart and circumvent just MFA alone. Yep. So this compliance that says, hey, you need to have MFA so you can get you know liability insurance. It's like, yep. okay, well, I have MFA. But then you end up looking at the history, and, and I hate to drop one of the breaches, which is Uber, they they had MFA. Yeah. Right? So they were compliant. Yep. But it was easy. It, it was some social engineering, got somebody to accept a push notification. Now we can talk about some security best practices that they may have fell down on yep. in the background afterwards. But that first door of entry, they were in compliance. So right. how, how would a modern solution deal with cases like MFA flooding. So brief explanation, MFA flooding, the best way to annoy somebody. And I think if you want to see a good video that explains this, it's Gabby's videos. We uh, can link in the we'll, show we'll, notes. We'll, okay. But the idea is uh, like at five o'clock at night, uh, like at 5 a.m. in the morning, you get blasted by 10, 20, 30 MFA messages saying, I want to log in. I want to log in. I want to log in. Eventually you say, 
okay, this is probably a bug somewhere. I click okay, and you've let somebody in. What it usually means, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, is the password was already compromised. Your username and password combination was already compromised, and now your second factor is getting bombarded. And because a lot of the checks there do not require a continuous human inter- interaction, you can ap- approve something like this and not take immediate action. So the attacker is bombarding a user, just to explain it uh, in my own lame words. The attacker is bombarding some users constantly to approve the second factor authentication so they can get in. They already have the password and username, probably from previous breach, dark web, wherever they got it. And that's the way in. That was the thing at Uber, I believe, right? This is the case. Th- that was basically how it got. There was one additional piece of sophistication for the Uber one, which was somebody actually took a next step with some social engineering because they were b- bombarding with the messages. And the the person they had targeted was somebody who was known in industry, uh, incident response, or, or had security mm-hmm. background. And so the individual basically said, hey, I'm, I'm the IT guy at Uber. You're getting these messages in order to get, to get them to stop. I need you to accept it. Yep. Okay. And because there was so a level of trust from that social saying, hey, I'm, I'm your IT guy, just kind of follow, the, follow my directions. That was how the actual acceptance took place. But nice. it, if you really think about how hard that is for an attacker, that's not that challenging. Not at all. <laughs> to, to Pretend to be IT. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You learn so, who is IT from LinkedIn and uh, you pretend to be him. You can even compromise him. And, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and and uh, if we were to even go one step further on a more advanced capability, there was some software that was just released that if it's malware, if it can get installed on your Android device so or iOS, if it's allowed can actually start scraping the TOTP, the actual rotating tokens, out of Google Authenticator. Oh, so they don't even need you to give them the code. No, so, yeah, so now it's so, where you would hear maybe some people give you the argument like, okay, well, push notification, bad because of push fatigue. Go back to the, the one-time passcodes. Well, the one-time passcodes, even if generated from a Google Authenticator or, and I don't want to drop a whole bunch of vendor names. Right. But that could be circumvented with a reverse proxy or some other type of phishing attack. But now it's even escalated further where it could just scrape the actual rotating pin out of your mobile phone in that app and actually apply it into a login within an app. So there's sophisticated, that's actually a little bit more sophisticated. I'm I'm cheap. If I'm going to be a bad guy, I'm going to do the whole phishing and I'm going to go do with the, the same thing that happens with like what we were referencing with Uber. I'd rather go do that. That is low hanging fruit. That is a lot easier. to. Execute. But it's similar in a way because yeah, like you'll do phishing and you'll install the malware on my cell phone through phishing or, you know, social engineering, whatever. And then you're just going to scrape my second factor authentication from my Google Authenticator or whatever, my Salesforce authenticate or I don't even whatever. need to do that. Or Okta. I, I, I use my favorite evil engine X that I deploy in some school ground somewhere near here and route you to here. How many people actually look at the URL at the top? The answer is nobody. Nobody. The DD and Latal show will return in a moment. The DD and Latal show is sponsored by Ort. 
In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The Didi and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters helps your security team overcome data volume and complexity while significantly reducing false positives. Upwork uses Hunter's SOC platform to remain threat-focused. Because of Hunter's, Upwork has been able to stop going through the daily repetitive task of looking at alerts and doing lengthy manual investigations. Learn more at hunters.ai. So let's talk about what's the solution. This is becoming very common, right? I think this is like one of the rising attack vectors that we're seeing, right? Yeah, and I, and I think the only reason why we, we see it as rising is because there's been a lot more public disclosure. Okay. Uh, yep. Right, and there, we did have some some legislation passed where the, the time in which disclosures have to happen have been much more accelerated. So I think we're getting to see it a lot more in the public arena in news and PR and marketing because we're now people are having to report it at a much lower level. What's the solution? Well, I for us, the solution is, is get rid of passwords and get rid of the traditional MFA or what we can actually define as legacy MFA. Historically, as an industry, we've we've kind of did the layering approach. Like we, we've been in bed with passwords since like 1962. We've uh, been in passwords since the dawn of time. The thunder and lightning in World War II thing. People have been using passwords to, I think it's even in the Bible a couple of times. If Say a phrase and... And I'll let you in. Yeah, I was just trying to keep it at the computer science level. Yeah. But yes. if we were to go into human history, yeah, it's been how do we en encrypt a message? And it could just be me verbally giving a passphrase. Yes. Uh, or we can make a reference to like some Charles Marx. Um, I think it was Charlie Marx movies where it's knocking on a speakeasy door. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, what's the password? Yeah. Right. Uh, a pattern. Yep. So that is the foundation a shared secret is the is the foundation of what we've built on and because we couldn't come up with anything better at the time i mean the passwords served a purpose when you had to walk up to a terminal and it was the only place you could type it in it wasn't designed for this big giant sprawl of assets and in the internet and everything else but what we did to solve it was like okay well let's put a second factor on there yep and then as we defined that second factor it was basically coming off of i mean TOTP and HOTP, which I think RSA was the leader on back in the day, it was a really good idea at the time. Yep. But then now we evolve. And RSA had their their little moment where it showed that when things get out, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of us live in the U.S. thanks to that moment. Some of us had <laughs> talked a lot in this show about this moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And then, so what did we do? We come up with, a, all right, well, we have these mobile devices yep. and now we can do something with these mobile devices. And then we start using some push techniques and those were really good at defeating the problem of usability and typing things in. And deploying of the tokens. The, the provisioning of the tokens was always a nightmare and still probably the biggest thing that prevents people from going all YubiKey is 
How do you get this into somebody's hands? And, and that was easier when we were all in offices. Yes. yes. Pre-pandemic, that was like, hey, at least you show up to an office and I can verify. You go to your IT person, he gives you the YubiKey, yes. If they check your license, maybe if they're It's really a real diligent. IT person. Yes. <laughs> Not the one that uh, <laughs> social engineer you. Yeah. <laughs> and now there, there are some services, and, and YubiKey's doing this pretty well. They have a last mile shipping kind of component where they'll take care of getting it into the end user's hands, even in this remote situation. But software is usually the, the way that things will rapidly evolve much quicker. And that's where Fido has it, all of that, that component and, and value, which is we can use our mobile devices, but they're not relying on a shared secret. So if we were bringing back all the work that the Fido Alliance and all the individuals that have contributed to build that standard have built it based off of cryptography using public-private keys. So the only thing that any server would ever store is just a public key. It's useless. It's not going to be PII. It's not going to be anything. And the private key is responsible and embedded within the device. Yep. And, so you and have it on your mobile device? Yes. And it solves a lot of the privacy questions. So one of the things I love about passwordless when I make a push, almost every time you try to deploy in Europe, everybody says, no, I'm not installing anything on my phone. Well, I said, well, now this is your phone or this is your Mac. You, you, you have your work Mac, it has the relevant components. No, Nobody's spying on you, which was the biggest thing that people resisted. The Okta verifies and the Duo controls is, I don't want to install anything on my phone. And then they lap back into SMS, which as we know, that network, I, I love the WhatsApp commercial with the pigeons that basically said, yeah, this is completely unencrypted. Go for it. What, what, what could go wrong there? <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, I mean, we can even make reference to like the SS7 network being yes. compromised since like 2014. Yep. Yep. And that is a very, like, if we were to go back to what's the cost for an attack, going and actually compromising and leveraging that is way too expensive. But sim swapping and basically getting somebody getting a hold of that sms otp that's a little bit easier but once again all i need to do is get you to enter that otp into as you said evil engine x yeah. or any other reverse proxy i just need to get you to enter it i yeah. can get you to enter uh, it. although sim swapping is so much fun because yeah. it's so easy to call at&t and claim that i'm lethal i i can do this like this i can do this on this podcast to, to prove my point of how i get lethal's virtual sim transferred to my phone like three minutes so yeah it, it, well and you got to think about it and i know we're kind of going on on some tangents on the side and you but what is the business that you're calling's objective yep their objective is customer service yes so right they make sure the customer's happy yeah right? they don't want to sit there and challenge you and just make you upset so they're not going to be putting a whole bunch of friction in that verification process. And they want that, you to keep on consuming the services, right? To yeah. be connected, yeah. being disconnected is not good for the business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So what the world would be in this password list? What will be me as a user? What will be my experience? So you, what you would be seeing, you may actually kind of have an experience today depending on some applications that you interact with, it could be in your native mobile app, but every time you open up and you see face ID being mm -hmm. used, mm -hmm. that's, that could be, that could possibly be a passwordless authentication. The, there are plenty of our customers that you would just never know you're interacting with in the background. So that experience is actually quite seamless for consumers or for end users. You're just going to use your native mobile phone to 
leverage its existing platform components. And as Didi was talking about, it's like the one benefit that we would subscribe to the most is the privacy allocation that that FIDO gives. It's it's actually one of the core principles of it that the service provider does not need to know any of those ingrained details about you. It just needs to have verification of that private key signing a message. Yep. So it all stays on your device. It stays within your world. And as a user, you actually have much more privacy than if you were to be entering a password anywhere. We do have a small evolution that is coming, and this comes back to the Apple passkey announcement and what you'll start seeing services provide where everything will end up being just this small dialogue that pops up on your phone and you're going to basically touch continue and scan your face or use your touch ID and you're going to end up doing this everywhere. So basically every time you do the, either your thumb using your face, yes. Authenticating using that constantly. Yeah. The the thing I love most with some of the stuff Google is doing, Apple's a little bit more behind this, but I love the fact that I can log into my Chromebook with my phone. This is really a, a game changer in terms of the user experience because I can choose to use this big complicated password as as, as the root encryption of the d- disk drive of how th- they work. But at least on my day to day, I can use my phone to kind of authenticate. It's a really nice experience. But Ryan, I, being always argumentative, this is the other part of being savage Middle Easterns. We we are always late. And we're always argumentative. So in a, in a passwordless world, what's missing? What's What do you think would be the Achilles heel of a passwordless FIDO-based world? So I think what it was initially, and, I, and, and we can, I think the momentum has completely shifted. I think we're in a completely different world in 2023 than we were even in 2022. I agree. Um, it, it was education for users as the passwordless company, we run around and say, passwordless, passwordless, passwordless. Surprisingly, we found out that some people, when they hear passwordless, actually had an inference of less secure. Yep. Mm, yes, of course. I think the, the Achilles heel has been the education and adoption, which we're out here trying to be good stewards. We're trying to educate the market. We're trying to obviously expose more and more. And I think the other challenge will come back to uh, what we were talking about your previous podcast, yep. which is the good enough. Yep. And that is the, hey, I, I have this vendor. I, it, they, I pay a license and they do everything. Yep. And that's going to cover me. And that's where that kind of good enough problem kicks in because a lot of these vendors aren't purposely built for bringing an organization 100% passwordless. Because even though somebody may say, hey, we're going to go passwordless, it might be a more of a passwordless experience where they're not working on where the actual credentials, the, the history of old passwords have resided. Yep. Those will still be there. And those could still be taken advantage of if it's not deployed and implemented correctly. Yes. So until everything is passwordless, we're kind of like... No, still... no, it's, it's even more interesting. So, for example, there's vendors that still cookie theft is still... They can be passwordless FIDO all the way through, but after you're done, cookie theft stills and session stealing still there. Yeah. Okay. So everything works, but then it doesn't. What Uh, about our reliance here on our device and what if that's stolen? Uh Oh, yes. So that, that is what I call the SIDU vulnerability. So 
Vital and I have a shared friend. His name is Sidhu. You already mentioned him. I, I'm sorry, like, no, 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 he, using he, your he, name he, for this. He, he enjoys this. Uh, he likes when uh, he's uh, being he, called out. Yes. Okay. He likes to forget his Mac and his phone and his YubiKey inside his Mac. In and a random Uber. Exactly. Okay. Or, or Lyft. Right now he said that he corrected last time I commented. He said, no, that was a Lyft. It wasn't an Uber. So... We, we are fine with all the yeah yes. the, the companies that um, provide, uh, the, provide the the shuttle service. But what what do I do if I I did something along these lines? How does that change my passwordless posture in any way, shape, or form? And how do I reprovision safely? Yeah, so this is a apparently your friend ends up being the one statistical anomaly and where we have seen <laughs> that people are not forgetting at least the mobile device like we were doing studies about okay, how many people are actually losing their devices how frequent how often is that taking place and that actually number has been decrasing year over year really yeah. but, oh. but, but that's yeah, because, because the, nobody is, goes nowhere this is the <laughs> most important thing to everybody yes. right yeah this yeah. is this is the you're you know, losing your life and if yeah. you, i keep saying people yeah. will will run back to get their phone out of their car but not their dog or a kid Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's why you need to put your phone on your kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that, that has been some markers, but you bring up a really good good point. Like there are still going to be these cases. One of the, the cool things about pass keys and the technology that's happening there is if you're an iPhone user, then that one registration will be synced through iCloud's uh, keychain. So if yeah. you need and to switch to a new phone... You just go. It's the same experience as like getting everything on yeah, iCloud just, again. Yeah, you just recover a phone. You just pick up a new device, log it in with iCloud, and you will be re-registered and back. You would have to not do anything other than that restoration process. But maybe you are running, running into an office and the Uber's driven away and every single thing you have that, that would be a way for you to authenticate just took off in that Uber. There, there is some... We implemented a technology, at least for workstations, that would allow you to go through a recovery process. flow, which, yeah, the recovery process, which would require you having to verify yourself to someone physically, and then they should be able to issue that that process. And it's based off of cryptography. Yep. Now, that's an interim solution until somebody goes and gets the device. Right? Yep. Yeah, because like, you cannot even access your email, right? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm losing my device. It's like... I cannot access anything, yeah. right? Uh, that's why That's why you need, if you turn on MFA, you need those Google backup codes because if you lose a Google phone that is seamless, there's no way for you to recover. Anyways, producer Dave is hinting that we are getting close to time. So, Ryan, if you heard our podcast, that we play a game at the end of the, at the podcast with our game. Every time our, we yes. have a guest, we yes. have a game. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully so, you're going to like it. Yes. So, let's go. And now, Lital and Didi present Prove You're Not a Robot, three final authenticating questions for our guest. So, Ryan, if you were a cybersecurity superhero, what would be your name and who would play you in the Hollywood movie to follow? Oh, I couldn't come up with a name, but I'll tell you, Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> yes. We're from Boston. But a name, usually I try to go with a nobody reference and just... Yeah. I would I would actually totally steal from Odenkirk's movie Mr. Yep. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. Awesome. Okay. Lo- anything Jared Leto is good for me. 
<laughs> awesome. What is your favorite hacking or breach horror story? Oh, attacking the the breach horror story. I that, I would go back to the 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 RSA. That that was so huge for the industry that the cost to reship those tokens, the the cost to recover, like yep. that. I think is the only one that we really did a good job at putting a dollar value on on that impact and that and not that i want to pick on rsa it's just that that was a pretty pivotal time in our industry and rsa was a conglomerate rsa yep. owned the market and owned everything yep i met a customer of uh with an old customer of mine from the rsa days who told me i had to reprovision two hundred seventy-five thousand tokens because of you guys so the pain was everywhere. So it's not just say pain. Yeah. Everybody shared the pain. Everybody yeah. shared the pain. I think it's also it was the one first major breach of such yeah. a big player that I think people like couldn't grasp at the time that this yep. is happening. Um, yeah. Well, it also I think displayed the the success of RSA and where all the integration points and firmware and all of the things that they had built a successful business on and where all of that that reach how big that attack surface ended up being yes yep yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. if uh, a mobile company will be breached we will feel that oh no t-mobile's breached like annually oh yes that's true <laughs> AT&T too okay forget about it yep <laughs> how do you waste your time on the internet Oh, there are some terrible YouTube rabbit holes. Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which one are you on to now? I've been watching one guy just doing van life and rolling around driving in a van. And it's not like it, it I mean, it's a pretty nice van. It's got a bed and everything. But he started his trip going from east. He's gone to the west and he's just driving up and living in, in truck stops, like urban camping, like stealth camping. And I, I can't believe I'm drawn into it. But it's not something you it. would do. Yeah, I I don't think I would. I'm I've traveled a lot in my career, and I'm kind of accustomed to hotel rooms and showers and and yes. being treated a certain way. Yes, where that uh, I, long of a run without those facilities, I don't think I would be happy with. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the, what are you saying about uh, three star hotels? Exactly. So it's like uh, a camping. When Natal and I started dating, she wanted <laughs> us to go camping, and I said, for me, camping is staying like in a three star hotel. So a uh, Motel Six for me is like camping. It's actually more. It's lower uh, than camping. It's lower than camping. Exactly. Uh, that's for sure. So a, a courtyard is camping for me. <laughs> I can completely understand. I, I, I've camped quite a bit at Courtyard. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, we all have to. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's been a pleasure. Ryan, thank you for joining us. We learned a lot. Uh, we're going to put in the show notes uh, a link to Hyper and people please reach out if you want to learn more about the world of passwordless thank you for joining us the Didi and Lital show is a weekly podcast rate and review us and reach out to Didi or, or, and, or me if you want to be on the show please share it with your friends as well thank you so much have a wonderful week thank you